There is so much waiting for you at Catholic Charities Senior Services. We offer programs and services to help make the most of every day. Friendships and fun are guaranteed at our drop-in senior centers. Our adult daycare centers offer enjoyment and greater supervision to seniors who need it while their caregivers get a break. Holy Family Villa provides a beautiful, safe environment for seniors looking for short or long-term residential facility. And we offer assistance with senior benefits, care coordination, congregate and home-delivered meals, hospital transition, and much more. For more than 100 years, we have accompanied seniors through every transition in their lives, and we are here for you now. Catholic Charities is a name and an agency you can trust. Call Senior Services today at 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Mission Matters Live, a program focused on promoting a spirit of mission among the people of God in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Megan Mio, coordinator of the mission office. Our engineer this morning, our fearless engineer, is Jim. You are listening to WNDZ 750 AM. We hope you will join us every third Thursday of the month from 830 to 9 AM. <clears throat> Today, we are discussing the topic that everyone is talking about, the coronavirus pandemic. But for this show, given that we are focused on mission, and especially global mission, we will be discussing it from the perspective of mission, global mission around the world. So we have with us by phone a lifelong missionary and religious sister. Sister Alice Vandenover is a Mary Knoll sister who has served in the Philippines as a teacher, and later she worked with various NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that provide services to the urban poor in the metro area around Manila. Today she's based in Mary Knoll, New York, and working on the mission awareness promotion for the congregation. So this is how I met her as she coordinates the Mary Knoll Sisters and their participation in the Summer Mission Co-op Appeals. So good morning and welcome, Sister Alice. Good morning. Hi, glad to have you with us. Glad to be here. Wonderful. Uh, as you might guess, uh, listeners, we are not able to have our guests in the studio these days. Um, I'm lucky myself to be here, but um, but in a way it works out because Sister Alice wouldn't have been able to travel here anyway, so it's great to have her by phone. 
So I, I ask uh, Sister Alice to be here because I know that her own and her congregation's experience and knowledge about mission areas of the world would richly inform our discussion of how global mission responds to our current pandemic. So uh, to get us started, can you please tell us a little more about yourself, Sister Alice? Well, I was uh, brought up in Manhattan uh, during the days when rents were low and health care was not expensive. Mm-hmm. Went to Catholic grade school and high school. Of course. And then to Hunter College, which had a tuition of $22.50 per semester, which included the use of the books. Wow. Uh, Manhattan was very affordable then with $30 a month rents. I mean, it sounds eye-popping these days that Manhattan was once so affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were considered the golden days for the middle class, and definitely my father, I don't even think he would have thought of himself as middle class, mm-hmm. maybe upper poor. Mm-hmm. So when I did go to Hunter College, I majored in chemistry mm-hmm entered Mary Knoll in 1968 in the St. Louis novitiate. So therefore, I became a Midwesterner for nine months. Uh, Spent the following year at our center house near Arsening, New York, and then was sent to the Philippines in 1970. Mm. So since I was a chemistry major, I taught chemistry at Mary Knoll College a few years, but I also did part-time work at the same time with a nonprofit group. Now, you mentioned the word non-government organization, yeah. and yeah. I'm just calling it a nonprofit group right. because I think that's more understandable uh, to uh, our U.S. ears. Audience, yeah. yeah. Right. But they were an NGO. Yeah. Uh, right. And um, Mary Knoll College was, is located in Quezon City, which is part of the greater Metro Manila area. In later years, I worked full-time with ACAP and other nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to ask, did you have any expectation that you would be going to the Philippines? Did you have any knowledge about that part of the world before you went? Well, yes, the congregation asked us to put down our choices and... Uh, the Philippines was one of my choices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, so you spent more time um, over the, the many years that you were in the Philippines with uh, um, the nonprofit groups than with teaching? Uh, I did. I spent more time with the nonprofit groups. And, and maybe you would like a little more information about ACAP at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, would you? Yeah, I would. Uh, There were several squat areas in Metro Manila with a high incidence of tuberculosis, TB. Mm -hmm. And ACAP's name is from a series of words. You know, ACAP is like an acronym. Mm -hmm. And in Tagalog, A in ACAP means ally, which means gift offering. And Kapwa, K, means neighbor. So ACAP administered anti-TB programs Mm -hmm. in several squatter areas in Metro Manila. They trained uh, volunteers in their respective communities Mm -hmm. to be healthcare workers or CHWs 
which stands for Community Healthcare Worker. So then these CHWs were trained to test their fellow squatters for TB, and if positive, to follow them up uh, that they took their medicines in the full co- for the full course of treatment because it's common for TB patients to stop taking their meds once they feel better, mm. but then the symptoms come back. That's not enough. You say the squatter areas. Could you say more about what that means? Sure. Um, squatters are uh, people that can't afford to pay rent. Mm. So they, um, they kind of... Uh, take over areas that seem to be empty and uh, build um, ramshackle houses, uh, usually only about, you know, as big as one bedroom. Uh, And they put a tin roof on it. And, of course, they live in constant fear of demolition. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're there without any permissions. They're just uh, trying to get by. Yes, and in UN terminology, uh, these squatty areas, which are, which are very prevalent in in the poor among the poorer countries, mm-hmm. they're called informal settlements. Mm. And about twenty five percent of the world's population live in informal se- settlements, and most of these are in poor countries. Right, and, and this is the kind of setting too. Just keeping in mind that people are living very close to one another too. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, if you could, you know, if you could visualize hundreds of small wooden shacks with a tin roof, each the size of a bedroom, the family really uses it mostly at night. The whole family might sleep at night on the floor under a big mosquito net. Mm-hmm. And why are they living there? Uh, these are people who cannot afford to pay rent for decent housing. Mm-hmm. Their jobs might be selling food on sidewalks or collecting reusables, uh, recyclables in our language, mm-hmm. and and then they sell that. Or they might go to big garbage heaps, picking through the garbage heap and selling what might have some value. Mm-hmm. They might have a regular job, but the job might probably pays a very low salary, and then they cannot, can't afford the rent. Right. They can't get a safe place. To live. <clears throat> wow. And I mean, I think it's also really amazing that uh, you uh, were helping to um, develop leaders uh, from amongst those settlements to find people who could um, could take care of the members of their community there. Those community, the CHWs, community health care workers. Right. Right. Uh, that was um, that was a common uh, strategy that uh, uh, people used that people trying to help the poor used in a country like the Philippines to, um, to help the people to help themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's on areas like these upon which most missionary groups focus. Right, yeah. Um, I'm sure we can talk a little bit more about your experience in the Philippines, but I'd also just like to ask real quick, you're currently uh, doing mission awareness work, right? Yes. Um, so that does that mean that you're giving mission appeals? Yes, uh, our our congregation. We we were in in the Chicago area last year, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to your generosity, mm-hmm. and um, 
and we were in uh, in New Jersey, New York, uh, Maine, and in several areas along the West Coast. Awesome. So we were giving talks in uh, churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to say, you know, our office has seen over the years that the, the mission co-ops in the summer, um, being able to have somebody be able to speak personally about this experience themselves having been a missionary or speaking about their own home community, um, it's it's it opens people's eyes. I think people really respond to that, and um, we're we're very glad to have missionaries visit the archdiocese uh, in the summer here. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you for inviting us. And I I know I, well I personally cover New Jersey and New York, and uh, I can't I almost can't tell you a weekend that I wasn't. So grateful and so thrilled to be with the people in the churches. It's always a great experience for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, people are hungry for this information. Um, So if we could talk just a little bit about Mary Knoll Sisters in general. Sure. Um, I believe, I mean, I did a little research in preparation for our conversation today. Sisters are involved in a variety of ministries and services, including human rights, education, care for creation, pastoral ministries, peace building as well as health care, uh, something that you mentioned. Um, can you tell us more about Mary Knoll Sisters? How were they founded? Well, we were the first U.S. group to uh, send Catholic United States nationals abroad for purposes of mission. Mm-hmm. Therefore, with the founding of Mary Knoll in 1911-1912, the fathers in 1911, the sisters in 1912, okay. In the eyes of the Catholic Church, then, the U.S. became a mission-sending country. Mm-hmm. So we began with fathers and sisters. Later, we added brothers, lay missionaries, mm-hmm. and then affiliates. Mm-hmm. So therefore, Mary Knoll is now a big family. Mm-hmm. And like a family of grown-ups, we all independently run our respective organizations, mm-hmm. and we raise funds separately. Mm-hmm. So currently, the Marino Sisters are in 20 countries, and we mm-hmm. raise funds from direct mail appeals, charitable gift annuities, mm-hmm. uh, other charitable uh, bequests, and, and church dates, the Missionary Cooperation Plan. Of course. Yeah. Would you like to know the countries uh, we're in? Well, just a few of them anyway. Sure. Uh, well, in Africa, we're in uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Zimbabwe. In Asia, Bangladesh, Cambodia, China, East Timor, Japan, Korea, Philippines, <laughs> Taiwan. In Central America, El Salvador, Guatemala, Panama. And we're in the Central Pacific, too, the Pacific Islands. Mm-hmm. And in South America, we're in Brazil, Chile, Ecuador, Peru. And we also work in the United States with disadvantaged minorities. You you gave a lot of our mission ministry categories. I, I could add more, but uh, you gave a good introduction on that. It's broad, right? You're responding to the needs there. Um, and uh, I think it's also wonderful to know that um, the sisters are, are using the gifts that the sisters have uh, to work with communities as women. Um, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about that and a little more about our situation um, as a, the time of pandemic and how mission responds. 
It's time for our break now, but we'll be back in just a moment to continue our discussion. Stay tuned. Are you an attorney who's retired or semi-retired from your practice? Catholic Charities welcomes your expertise. Whether it's a dispute with a landlord, a concern about possibly being the victim of a scam, or an issue regarding family law, clients can feel alone in the complex legal system, especially if they are unable to afford an attorney. Our volunteer attorneys answer our legal advice line, offer one-hour consultations, and conduct legal seminars. They're dedicated to informing and empowering low-income individuals as they navigate civil law issues affecting their lives. Come in when your schedule permits and share your knowledge with grateful clients. To learn more about this rewarding volunteer program, please call 312-948-6821. That's 312-948-6821. Thank you for considering Catholic Charities Legal Assistance Team. Food pantries, home-delivered meals to seniors, evening-to-go meals for the homeless, financial assistance, counseling, and other services. These are all programs Catholic Charities has been providing for years to people in Cook and Lake Counties. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have worked to keep all of these programs going, never turning anyone away. The needs are urgent and they will grow, but we want you to know that we will be here, as we always have been, with food, housing, financial assistance, and ongoing support. Thank you to the many, many donors and partners helping us serve those most in need. We couldn't do it without you. Would you consider joining us too at this historic time? Go to catholiccharities.net to donate and to learn more about our volunteer opportunities. Thank you on behalf of all those we have the privilege to serve. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here. Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. If you're just tuning in, I am Megan Meal, coordinator for the Mission Office. And you're listening to WNDZ 750 AM. I'm here with Sister Alice Vandenover, Mary Knoll's sister for many years and current coordinator of mission awareness promotion for the sisters. We're discussing the coronavirus pandemic and how global mission responds. Well, just before the break, uh, we, we talked a little bit about Sister Alice's own experience, and she was talking a little more broadly about Mary Knoll's sisters. They're everywhere, <laughs> basically. Mary Knoll's sisters are in 20 different countries around the world. She named quite a few, um, and the ministries are diverse. Um, Sister Alice, is it true that, that Mary Knoll's sisters also, I don't know what the right word is, but have found vocations in all of these countries as well? Well, we we have a vocation outreach in all of those countries, Um uh, and um but i you know well we're always mindful that we want people to to join us mm-hmm. but sometimes we say you know join the local church because mm-hmm. we want to build up the local church yeah um okay yeah cuz i was going to say the marinol fathers and brothers i think have not uh i don't know what the word is recruited but um because as you said it was founded as the us sending organization, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I also note what you said in, in your experience that there are uh, local leaders that you do work with, you collaborate with um, yes. those on the ground and to build up the local church uh, as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure you spoke with some of your sisters um, in these last few weeks, um, and I'd like us to just talk a little bit more about, um, based on, on your own knowledge and, and uh, those you've been in touch with, how would you describe the most common health care and sanitation situations in mission areas? Well, yeah, just a little while ago, uh, we were together visualizing you know, what a squat area looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically, people are very crowded together. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, uh, uh, one of the uh, statistics from, uh, from the UN mm-hmm. is, is these informal settlements uh, are like fifty percent of of the of the world's population. Well, fifty percent of the world's population don't get essential health care. Twenty five percent live in these types of situations. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty widespread yeah. throughout the world to have people living under these circumstances. Yeah, and. I'm just, um, just going to add, you know, that I know I've been reading about refugee settlements, a similar type situation in various countries. Oh, yes. It would be, that would also be an informal settlement, at least according to the UN. Yeah. Right. And even when I was working with ACOP uh, back in the 70s and 80s, um, TB, uh, TB was the big. Uh, disease then in the Philippines, and and they're still they're still having problems with TB too mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, they called TB a disease of the poor, mm-hmm. and uh, because these types of not not getting good health services means they're not getting clean water too. Right. So uh, therefore, with a pandemic like what we're suffering right now where people where you're being told to stay six feet apart and um uh, keep washing your hands uh i mean how how can people deal with that when they're living on top of one another uh, especially at night when they have to get away from the mosquitoes and uh you know they don't have clean water and they just make do with sanitation they then those kinds of areas generally don't have clean water and and good sanitation. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you were describing in the Philippines an urban setting. Um, I'm sure there's other parts of the world where an urban urban setting is common uh, for people having to live in in that particular manner. Uh, I mentioned refugee settlements. I know that there. I, I had been in communication with some of our missionary contacts that some rural areas, you know there might also be the same issues where there's no clean water access, um, where, you know, sanitation would be difficult to achieve, um, where they're already been dealing with that. um, And then to add something like the coronavirus could be really dangerous. Um, And then, of course, um, healthcare. Sure. (laughs) Um, It's that's that's an ongoing issue. We're in the mission office. We're always um, 
that's a very common request for us to support that kind of work yeah. of providing health care. Some of the things that, that, like you said about TB, uh, a disease of the poor, those are, they're dealing with health care things that we've, we're way beyond here in this country. We don't worry about the kinds of health issues that um, some of these uh, more rural or you know underdeveloped areas um, are just, they're still struggling with it. Um, so if we could continue this conversation, then, you know, what what can we, what should we be aware of about mission and missionaries um, in a worldwide health emergency situation like this? Um, well, uh, what role do the missionaries have in, in responding? Well, we try to... Um Basically, I think we're all ag- agog right now, you know, in this country, too, <laughs> where we, we're with this current pandemic. Now, this current pandemic is different than our previous experience. Like Mary No Sisters right now are having a hard time getting out of the house. Uh, <laughs> right. And also a lot of the other countries are in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, no so, I mean, right now, uh, we're praying and, uh, you know, we're praying for them, for, for these people, uh, and we're praying for the people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So I guess that's the situation we all find ourselves in, in today. Yeah. But Mary No Sisters and other missionary groups... Um, also have a presence in the U.S. among disadvantaged sectors in society. So recently on the news, we have heard reports of the coronavirus in the U.S. hitting the poor and disadvantaged communities the hardest. So again, this shines a spotlight on the relationship between economics and health Mm -hmm. and also on different countries' policies Mm -hmm. about how the economic pie is allocated. All countries, rich and poor, need to collect taxes in order to raise funds for roads, infrastructure, public health. But poor countries with a big foreign debt to to, uh, foreign banks are especially disadvantaged, especially if they are forced to cough up most of their tax income just to pay off debt to foreign lenders. So little is left for public health and clean water. And we're seeing this happen right in our own country. We don't have the funds to deal with the coronavirus. Can you imagine what the third world is like? Oh, yeah. What what the developing countries are like? And missionaries are, what can we do? We we don't have government money to give away. Mm, Yeah. Well, and with our just last two minutes of the show, I'd like to end on on something um, hopeful because we do believe that prayer is is powerful, um, and that an experience like this, where the U.S. Um, as well as the rest of the world is is struggling with this situation, um, what would you what would your advice be about how we can connect? What are some spiritual tools that we can use to to stay connected, even though we can't physically be together? Uh, at this time, well, I'll I'll get down to the basic spiritual tool of the Marianal Sisters. Yeah, we're Jesus people. Mm-hmm. Jesus teaches us what the Father expects of us, and His basic message is a message of love. Yeah. 
love God with all our hearts, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm -hmm. So as committed Christians, we're all called to this great mission of love. Mm -hmm. And Mary and old sisters have a very clear vision that we must make God's love visible. Mm -hmm. So that is our thrust now, as it always has been, making God's love visible. Now, how can we in the U.S. uh, personally and collectively make God's love visible today? There are many ways. One way is what we're doing now. You know, we're doing our best to minimize the spread of of this virus Mm -hmm. by obeying the guidelines and we're staying six feet apart, etc. We're caring for our neighbors as well as ourselves. It's a sign of love, yeah. Another way is to increase our concern and understanding for those living in today's poor countries. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the rich countries who reap the biggest rewards from international trade policies. Yeah. Our current global model of development means that all countries export to one another from their strengths. Yeah. But let's face it. Rich countries export manufactured goods, cars, etc. Yeah. Poor countries yeah. export uh, raw materials. The yeah. sad truth is that manufactured goods make a lot more profit than coconut. You know, yeah. it's well, we we have to it, yeah. you know try to yep. visualize right. you know yep. what poor countries are going through. Yeah, we'll have to learn more about that. I'm afraid we're out of time. But I invite our listeners to continue praying for our brothers and sisters around the globe. Learn a little bit more about these situations Sister Alice mentioned. Thanks for joining us, Sister Alice. Tune in next month for more Mission Matters Live. Thank you for listening, and remember, always be on mission.